on Spags, I assume you couldn't get a lick of sleep last night, tossing and turning, thinking about how Drew Locke is not the starting quarterback for the Seahawks. Yeah, I never thought there'd be a time in my life where I'm getting tagged quite so often in Geno Smith news, but we are going to dig into the Seahawks controversy at QB. We also got Pete's top five targets, according to ADP from the Fantasy Life newsletter. I'm going to poke and prod, proke and pod as well over at Pete and then see what he thinks about all of that. We're also going to do a live draft today. And, and yeah, I think we're going to have some fun along the way, Pete. So let's hit that intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, already zooming in, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you doing? Doing good. I actually was just recording a video, so I had my wide crop. Uh, I had to get the, the tighter Splash Play crop here so you could see my my stubble that I have going on here. A hard, hard week worth of growing this out here. Your luxurious Nordic beard that you bring to the show. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and Pete, of course, I, I want to give you the floor to promote your engagement farming video because uh, Pete had mentioned on this very podcast that I was going to be uh, uh, getting a little cameo in that one. Didn't realize it would actually be a jumping off point for the uh, largely the entire premise of the video, it seemed like. It's me and Davis Maddock really driving that one. But obviously, you're putting a lot of hard work in over on the Deposit Kingdom channel. Yes, um, I had lots of fun putting that video together. Um I, you weren't the direct impetus, um, but I remember when I got that text from you and it was uh, another thing I had to uh, to, to flag and uh, put away for uh, making the video. Although it's funny because even when I, I started working on that, like, you know, relatively soon, um, that was one I've had like on the back burner and just kind of like slowly adding to it. But even like the engagement farming meta has changed so much since I even started on that video. Like I have one reference in there to threads which have, you know, since become the hottest thing. But I almost feel like, and this is how messed up I am because I was thinking about this. And I actually consider threads more to be like thought leader than diagram, you know, where you're trying to do and you're gaining followers and like domain uh, expertise. Whereas like engagement farming to me is almost like it's just own siloed thing where all you care about is replies and interactions, even if there's not a stated goal for it. That's interesting, and I think there is a fair distinction in that one. Like we've talked about our, our pal Sal Vetri doing some of the threads, and um, he's definitely doing a great job. I think basically combining what's what's really like you know an in depth blog post into one Twitter thread. I think that's been the critique of some of those threads, but like ultimately whatever is doing you know adding value. And I I'm agree like I'm actually gonna agree with you shockingly already to start the show off. I feel like I'm gonna agree with you and say like those threads actually do add some degree of value, even if it is sort of cherry picking stats sometimes. Whereas like the straight like oh I'm posting an office meme or something or or shitting. <laughs> on a thing everybody else loves like that's my least favorite part of fantasy football twitter where it's like they just want to get that that fucking little bump in the the brain psychology and they just want to say anything that gets a response and that's that's not adding value yes so um you know i i, I am going to be you know i'm going to be better as an engagement farmer even if it's not quite in my blood um but yes you can check that out and also there is a giveaway teased in there i am paying people to engage with me on that video i'm going to draw that uh, on Tuesday's episode of Club Top Shot. So if you check out that video uh, and follow the instructions there within, you'll be eligible to win $500 cash spags from me. 
And also, of course, next week coming up is going to be our Drew Locke clip-off uh, to cl- close out uh, the show, I guess, the the Thursday edition. Or actually, I guess that'll be the premiere of us moving to Thursdays next week, right before Memorial Day weekend. So a great way to celebrate there and a great way to win yourself $100. All you have to do is be the declared winner of our Drew Locke clip competition, highlight reel, whatever you want to call it. Marketing spiel. It's going to be tougher now that the New York Post is, is keying in on this uh, this delicate Seahawks QB situation. But we want to get your clips in for this one. If not, it'll just be Pete and I doing it. And, and we don't have to give away hundred dollars, but we're going to try to give away that hundred dollars if we can Pete. There we go. We will, we will do it. Um, I mean, it's the, the drew lock clip off. I mean, this has taken quite the turn here. I'm excited to put mine together. I have a rough concept that I now I need to actually execute on, which, as we all know, could sometimes be the hardest part. But uh, tune in next Thursday, of course, 2.30 Eastern. We'll be moving there. The Friday streams, I haven't figured out when to be doing my streams. Won't be next Friday, but uh, Friday is still possibly on the table because I've been enjoying the Friday Hangouts. So we'll see see how that goes. Make sure you are subscribed to the Splash Play channel as well as Peach channel because on the Splash Play channel, you'll be getting my solo best ball streams coming up in June. And also follow at Splash Play Pod. Uh, make sure you are checking us out on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok as well. We're putting basically the clips out. Clips starting to bubble up a little bit more in a way that's making Pete and I happy. So go check it out. They're putting a lot of work into making sure we put out at least one newsworthy thing. Last week was Rashad White's DMs. Uh, today, who knows what it'll be on this episode, but go check it out. Uh, Pete, let's talk about Drew Locke, though. Uh, I'll say disgusting slanderous rumors out of Geno Smith leading the Seahawks QB competition. The New York Post put a headline out saying, Geno Smith is leader in sad Seahawks quarterback competition. You see NBC Sports Edge there as well. Some of the people reacting, panicking, in the streets, Pete, because of this heartbreaking news. And and I'll, I'll give my take in a second, but what's your initial reaction besides wanting immediately to dunk on me via YouTube thumbnail? So, uh, yeah, my immediate reaction is, oh my God, this is so good. And I can't wait to make fun of Spags on Splash Play. I did end up reading the, uh, the source article and uh, you're, you're probably fine in that regard. But um, I still think you were probably out over your skis with Drew Locke doubled down for the brand and dare I say farming equity. And, um, and I think maybe you learned a little bit of a lesson here, Spags. So I will push back because I don't think this is anything surprising. Geno Smith has been that organization. We know the Seahawks have liked him. They gave him the, you know, the keys to do his version of the Russell Wilson offense last year when Russell Wilson was hurt down that stretch of the season. And I think he did a perfectly competent enough job that he should be the leader in the clubhouse right now. Drew Locke has to earn it. And that's what they're doing here is they're doing the classic underdog working from underneath pro wrestling kind of story here where Drew Locke's got to earn his way into that starting lineup. And I think with this deep ball arm, something I've been digging in on a little bit more, perhaps while wrapping my head around how to approach this highlight reel. He is a prolific deep ball thrower, also really good at play action, or at least was in 2020, maybe not so much in 2021. But overall, that's the thing that the Seahawks do a lot. So I'm digging my heels on Drew Locke. I do think for best ball, people should be cautious. You shouldn't be like me. Probably shouldn't have more than 5%, maybe even head with some Geno lineups. But I still have confidence that they're going to give him that starting job, You know, whether it's week one, whether it's in the preseason. And I, I'm not giving up here yet, Pete. Yeah, here was the quote uh, from Waldron. He said, right now, Gino has done such a good job of carrying over the offensive principles from 2021. He already had a head start over Drew right there. We have a long time to go. We are just in t-shirts and shorts right now uh, going against air. We have a long way to go to see where this competition goes. So if you are in the Drew Lock camp, you can pretty easily spin that as, um, of course, they're going to give kind of the uh, the head nod to the guy who's already in the building and say that Drew Lock has to earn it. but I will say in general, um, 
I guess the real argument comes down to does Drew Locke actually have upside or not? Because a lot of people think he's bad, but a lot of people think Daniel Jones is bad. And Daniel Jones also has uh, a lot of fantasy upside. So that's really what the debate is to me. I think the, like the learning moment for BBM three is just probably in general, like exposures and making sure you're not too heavy on anyone. And also it does feel a little bit like, Granted, way, way cheaper than, say, some of these running backs that go in the fifth and sixth round where you're you're drafting them because of the projected volume or, in Drew Locke's case, you know, projected starter. But there's a lot of uncertainty that still goes into things. And we see, you know, Mike Davis being the perfect example of you're paying for projected volume, but there's lots of things that can throw a wrench in that. So on the flip side, you're not paying a lot for, for Drew Locke where you're getting him, but you know, there's, there's legit uncertainty about who is going to be the starting quarterback there. And uh, I think at the very least you need to pump the brakes specs. I, I think I personally will not pump the brakes. I'll just put it in more three QB builds will be the move. But I would say for other people out there, though, like I have some confidence really more than anything that DK Metcalf is going to get his Tyler Lockett's going to get his somehow. And I think that happens more easily with Drew Lock uh, just because, you know, he is a variance player. He's a guy that will throw the deep balls. will take those shots. It's kind of like the three pointers in the NBA where the Mavs have been shooting them at like this unsustainable rate. And then, you know, sometimes it's going to bite you in the ass if you're not hitting at a high rate. But that's what pushed them past Phoenix last round. And I think that's something that different sports, but kind of same philosophy here deep balls are the three-pointer in the nba that's been a drum i've been beating uh, for the last few years and drew lock takes them at a rate with some success that i think would only increase with dk metcalf and let alone tyler lockett so um i'll still buy in but i think for you people out there it's more uh, don't have more than five percent drew lock and, and as you might see on my board here pete i do in fact i have more than five percent drew lock in fact more than double that well, I was I was going to go the other direction. This is you've actually done a lot of work to get him further down here. I mean, when I first pulled it up, he was your highest owned. I think when we did another check in, he was like your third. And now he's all the way down here to your eight. So I would argue you are actually pumping the brakes. I am pumping the brakes a little bit. I've also, you know, I'm certainly talking to you doing these streams on the show. Also, Pete, I saw you mentioned the Fantasy Life newsletter that people should be subscribed to as well. That you were saying, oh, like, I'm a real sicko. I've done 17 drafts, which to me read like a, a Tumblr kid talking about how unique and weird they are. Um, how many drafts do you think I've done now? Well, first of all, Spags, you you understand what what an audience is, right? You understand <laughs> that the 400,000 people that get that email. Though. We're going on a scale. Yeah. So, uh, consider, consider the audience, uh, Spags. Um, I'm going to guess you are up to, what were you at last time? You were at like 27 or 20. I don't know. You're up to like 42. 58 drafts, Pete, I think. On, Good. On underdog. You, are you even working right now? Like I don't even have time to do drafts. How are you fitting this in? Let alone, so Pete, I know, you know, you can't, you can't give any cosigns there. And honestly, I wouldn't either based on the UI. I've also been cramming in a few DK best ball ones, $5 for a milli up there. Um, so yeah, I've, I've now got, I think four on DK, 58 or 59 on underdog. And um, I, I do it whenever I'm watching the baby. Like if I'm there and he's doing stuff, like I'll just kind of do a draft because like you don't have to pay full attention. So it's not like playing NBA 2K where you have to be like active and engaged or or like an online shooter game where you have to be like really paying full attention. Best ball is like the most passive best thing you could do for your child. Yeah, and I am, you know, we got um, some graphics here for all of Chris's uh, current exposures right now. It looks like across all positions, uh, Tyler Algier is your highest owned player at... Mm -hmm. 34%. What um are you getting him at a variety of price points there or are you kind of targeting him above ADP um a lot of the time? 
So usually if he's going above 140 or, or I guess under 140 ADP, I'm, I'm letting him go. But if he flips, uh, you know, slips at all behind that ADP, I'm pretty comfortable taking him. He's one of those guys too that just happens to align with a lot of draft boards I have where I think there's a really obvious pathway to him. I know his uh, player profiler numbers are really strong too. I think he's had like a 85th percentile, you know, in terms of the driving yardage overall or the team share of yardage. So I like him a lot, but as you've talked about, like I'm fully a zero RB guy. I, in fact, get uncomfortable when you take like two guys before the fifth round and these best ball drafts on the streams because I, I've bought into that other rhetoric and I'm not going anywhere else now. Like it's too late now. Um, you, You're putting me in such a tough spot because I do think zero RB is by far the most dominant strategy for BBM3, um, specifically as um, when you consider in the size and the structure and with how much money is going to the top few slots in week 17. On the other hand, I think you are limiting yourself to some other potential builds, depending on how the draft uh, shakes out. And you should be, you should be willing to pivot in, in some of those drafts, especially if you're fortunate enough to get in a ship chasing style draft where all the wide receivers are flying off the shelves and you have a chance to get exposure to, you know, a Nick Chubb in the late third, or, you know, Josh Jacob falls to the eighth, which can happen in some of these drafts. Um, I think, I think it would be a mistake not to get exposure to different stuff because even, you know, Sean Siegel, uh, you know, the godfather of zero RB will tell you too, like there are better and worse years for zero RB. You know, if, if we have four or five running backs who hit this year in a big way at the top of the draft, like hyper fragile and anchor RB will be the dominant strategy. So it's like knowing that we can't control the specific player outcomes, but we know that there's strategies that can help us harness them. So I would just be careful um, not being too extreme. But on the other hand, like we need to be unique. We need to be differentiated and zero RB is going to still be underutilized. So like I said, you're putting me, you're twisting me in a knot because I'm never going to tell anyone that they shouldn't do zero RB. I mean, I will say like, I do have some good running backs that are at lower ownership. And I also have some of the JD McKissicks that I know you've extolled the virtues of before. I have a, uh, you know, Naheem Hines is certainly a guy that I have a uh, 15% of that guys that didn't make the cut for this graphic is we're only doing top 10, but I have some amount of like, you know, good running backs as well. Christian McCaffrey, I have at 8% and I am taking some guys when the ADP does shake out that way, Pete. But I think like you were talking about, like if the room's going to give me these guys at lower than 80, like lower ADPs and the wide receivers are looking a little more valuable with where they are, I'm just going to go that way. And, and do it comfortably yeah and the other thing to think about too is in the reason like i actually i took my first nick chubb share um in a draft i did last night um and it's not like i got an insane deal on him i think it was like early third or maybe it was late second um but i i want some exposure to some of those guys that i traditionally am going to pass over you know in light of the wide receivers there but thinking through if you get these teams to the finals and is Nick Chubb capable of having a 35 plus point week? Certainly that's well within range of outcomes. He could be the piece you need. And I know that could start to be a cop out. He might be the guy you need, but there is a handful of guys in this league that do have, you know, 35 plus point upside. And I want to make sure I have exposure to them uh, in week 17 scenarios. Yeah, I should, you know, and I think that's something I should probably prioritize more down the back half. But like Tyler Algier is also in part like that high, not to keep harping on the running backs, but like I was getting him at 170 at one point. He came up to like one mid 140s. Sometimes he goes in the mid 130s. So like that's part of why some of those guys are popping up a little bit more. I've been heavy on running backs, uh, rookie running backs in particular this entire time. And, and Algier definitely fits that. You see my running backs on the screen. You all see that promo code. Use promo code SPLASH to double your deposit up to $100 on underdog. And uh, what jumps out to you here, Pete? I know Tyree Kill has been a guy that steadily rises for me but i feel like a lot of cooper cup like i love my wide receiver exposures 
Yeah, no, you can definitely see the uh, the flip side of the zero RB is you end up with a lot of Cooper Cup, a lot of Tyree Kill, uh, T. Higgins, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel. Those are all guys that go in the top, you know, 25 picks. Um, I guess the interesting one to me, uh, I, I mean, I love Elijah Moore and Tra- Traylon Burks where they're going. So I like those. I guess K.J. Osborne is the one that I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. So, t- So talk to me about your K.J. Osborne infatuation. He is just always an ADP faller. Like I know we did one of the drafts early on where I had a ton of Josh Palmer and I, I was comfortable with that too. And I actually wish I were getting more Josh Palmer, especially because of the amount of Cooper cup. I'm getting that week 17 Rams, uh, you know, charter sack is one that we've talked about on the show being pretty valuable, but for me, it's more KJ Osborne. I think is going to be in a good week 17 matchup. We see the week one total for that same game uh, with the Vikings and the Packers. So I feel like that's a pretty good spot. And I also think, you know, Adam Thielen regressing on touchdowns Osborne to me, I like him a lot. So if he's going to be going 20 picks after ADP, like I'll take that every time. And I think he kind of fleshes out, you know, probably just a better and best ball guy. Like I wouldn't want to play him in season longer dynasty, but I feel like I, that's the reason why to me, he's at number five, even though it is jarring to see him above all these other guys, or even in the class of these other guys like Burks and, and more. Yeah. I, I agree with the thesis to that. Thielen, you know, taking a step back, the Vikings maybe being a little bit more pass happy. We got the news report the other day, Dalvin Cook's lining up as a receiver in OTAs. I'm, I think the bet, I actually don't have any problem with Osborne at ADP. I'm kind of applying my, my thesis in the direction of Irv Smith kind of being the beneficiary of maybe he becomes more of the red zone threat a bit if, if Adam Thielen takes a step back, but I don't mind taking shots on both, um, both those guys. And then, you know, you can start to have a little fun there too. They play the Green Bay in week 17. Um, you know, guys that it's pretty easy to get Irv and, and KJ Osborne late. So messing around with some week 17 stacks there. Yep. And uh, we got my tight ends left to go through here. People talk about Smith Marset is better than Osborne. I mean, that's the rotation showed Osborne was there heavy. So if he's young enough that I think there's still upside there. So that's more my thesis. But uh, I think Pete's point about Irv Smith, I think is the better one. But go ahead. Uh, look at my tight ends and, and Noah Fant still being there. It's probably the one thing that jumps out. But I, I love my tight end profile as well. Yeah, I've been I the the draft I was mentioning last night. Um, you know, everyone makes starts to tease me too about my Kittle love in exposure. And uh I passed on him last night. Um, and then he fell to me all the way. I think it was pick 52. I got him. I should go check. And I was like, okay, of course I'm <laughs> it was like the one time I said I'm passing on him to get on a different construction, and he still fell to me. So man, uh yes, I, I love these guys. I love Pitts, I love Kittle, I love Waller. I do think the structural advantage of tight end is not being priced in to the to their ADPs right now. Um, Noah Fan obviously makes sense in the context of your Drew Locke infatuation. I love Hawkinson. Brevin Jordan is super cheap. Love him as a backdoor Davis Mill stack. CJ Ozoma, cheap. Love him as a backdoor Zach Wilson. I guess Austin Hooper is really the only guy I haven't drafted a ton of, mainly because I haven't ended up with a ton of Ryan Tannehill. So I haven't like backed my way into Hooper. Yeah, Hooper is usually my, oh my God, I don't have enough firepower at tight end. I need something here. Maybe he can bubble up. And with some of these Tennessee Titans have uh, tight ends have in the past, but yeah, I, I think, you know, to me, this really does. I'm with you on that. TJ Hawkins is actually a guy you've talked me into a lot um, with your belief in him. And I think how that he can benefit from that Detroit offense being better this year. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's going in the seventh round and sometimes he's the one you have to reach for a little bit. If you don't get one of the, the big group of pits and, and Kittle and Waller and Kelsey, uh, but I, yeah, I feel like tight end, I've pri- been prioritizing as much as I can, Pete. And I think um, hopefully that'll be a benefit here. And if Kyle Pitts gets hurt in the preseason, then you will see me uh, shedding a lot of tears on this stream. 
It's funny too how we get spoiled with tight end. Jack says we've been drafting Irv Smith for three years, waiting on that breakout. Third, three years was traditionally the tight end breakout year. You know, we've always had the year two wide receiver breakout has been kind of tried and true for the sophomore wide receivers, and the third year tight end breakout has been traditionally where they break out. But we get so spoiled and impatient now that we use three years as a pejorative uh, on tight ends when it's actually pretty normal for it to be the slowest developing thing. So I'm still sold on Irv's tools and. And the idea of Thielen um, not really being at his level of athleticism that he was at earlier in his career. All right, we're going to jump into that draft in a second here. But Max asking one last question. Thoughts on Goddard and Schultz and range of Hawkinson. I don't mind those guys, but I would prefer them if you have the QB to go along with it. I'm not getting to Jalen Hurts a lot because of where his price tag is. Schultz seems more viable, but I tend to be getting CeeDee Lamb with Dak and then somebody else. So I think I would probably personally prefer Schultz more than Goddard, which maybe that's a hot take, but I just think there's a lot of opportunity for him, especially if Gallup's recovery is a little bit slow. But I think those guys to me are a clear cut behind Hawkins and Pete. I don't know how you feel. Um. Yeah, I agree. Goddard is, I, I know I'm in the minority of pre, uh, uh, preferring Hawkinson to Schultz, but I think I don't feel like super strongly on Hawkinson over Schultz and they're both going in like a similar range. And to me, I think I just Schultz, I notice get steamed up a lot because basically people who will take, what is it? Dak at, is that like the six, seven turn? Will a lot of times just double tap Schultz to get that stack. So I've been missing out on Schultz dropping a lot just because the DAC owner normally grabs him. But I mean, if you think of the type of tight ends that can emerge from this range, um, it's either guys that just have an insane, you know, prospect profile to in the talent to do it, or they're the guys that are just attached to the offense that goes nuclear that year. And we've already seen Schultz be good. We know that offense is going to score a ton of points. We know they've lost, you know, weapons in Amari Cooper. So like everything lines up for Schultz. And I, I definitely want exposure to both of them. Whereas it, whereas Hawkinson, I think is just the more talented player. And if that mm -hmm. offense goes a little more pass happy, I think he'll be a, a massive beneficiary. I think Tube Sox sums up my thoughts overall. I was high on Goddard until A.J. Brown. That offense can't support more than one pass catcher per game. I think maybe they let Hurts a little bit more loose, but that's going to benefit Devonta Smith. Like It's just going to be a thing that's hard to pinpoint week after week, and I, I sort of have the comfort level. A.J. Brown and Hurts being like best buddies, too. Like I, I don't know. Like It's probably not going to look Goddard's way as religiously as he did for stretches last year, so that doesn't... That's, you know, that's very much like uh, reading the news articles and reading too much into it, but like you pay $100 million to A.J. Brown for a reason. I feel like that's probably not great for Goddard overall. Yeah, and I guess I disagree that they can only support one per game, but you also have Devonta Smith there, who I, I think we both think is is really good too, where my the hope, right, is in getting A.J. Brown, you know, Jalen Hurts getting better and better each year, that they do throw a bit more this year. Um, but I do agree that I think on a week-to-week -week basis, got it. Goddard will probably be the, uh, the odd man out there. But I think I could also see it be an offense where, you know, AJ Brown's the clear one. And then maybe it's Goddard and Devonta are kind of ping-ponging the ancillary, you know, second big game of the week for them. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable take. Pretty and I, you know, don't forget we got also uh what what's his face from um from the Colts is now on there too that I always keep forgetting. And uh yeah, that's another that's another thing with the Wait, Eagles. Who? Um fucking Quez Watkins. Zach Pascal. Zach Pascal. Zach Pascal. Okay. Yeah. Who always would ruin everything for the Colts besides Michael Pittman. And I feel like he's gonna do the exact same thing for the Eagles, where it's been the Greg Ward role of just ruining fantasy days, and now it'll probably be Zach Pascal. Yeah, probably. I mean, rest in peace, Jalen Rager.
so sad. <laughs> oh yeah, he's so done. JJ Ortega Whiteside did not. Boy, he's he's not even getting to the XFL. <laughs> he's not, he's not getting anywhere. No, no. All right, are we hopping in a draft? Yeah, let's do it. It's time, guys. Go over to the Underdog Best Ball Mania 3 lobby if you want to try to sh- get in there now or just you know try to sh- be strategic about putting in multiple entries at the same time. I know, Pete, people have been debating how to get into these plus EV drafts on streams, and I think the move is just to enter like five right before you sense we're about to do it. I mean, no, because then that's negative EV because you're tr- <laughs> then you're trying to draft five teams at once. <laughs> Actually, there was a comment from Willis earlier that I wanted to pull up um, because this is a scenario I hadn't considered. He says Spags is doing so many drafts that eventually some splash play drafts are going to have to be on Pete's account. Is this part of your strategy to max this so quick that we have no choice but to start to do some of these on mine? Well, I figured, no. So the part of the reason we were going to do it on my account was because I was like, yeah, I'm not going to max it. And then I realized like, actually, I want to max this just because I need something now that I'm not doing NBA DFS with the same vigor every day. Um, so that's what, how that went. But the puppy's going to be out at some point. So I feel like that's still another 150 drafts I add to the table. There you go. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a good point uh, on that. Uh, Silas got in the overfill draft, but did land the 101. Who else here? Who else do we recognize? So we got Mookie. I recognize. We got uh, I was inverted, of course. Boomer Sharp. Uh, Josh Frick. Uh, Julio going to go at the 112 to one turn. All right. So one seven. This will this will be an interesting interesting spot for us. Jack saying have drafted with spags like 10 times in the last week. The man is committed. It's funny. Cause like, I don't pay enough attention Pete, to like the usernames and stuff that pop out, like besides the ones that we know from chat and like, yeah, I'm definitely drafting. Like I'm, I'm acting anonymously, but I know at this point with how a lot of the best ball community watches this show now, and I'm sure they are very aware of my draft strategies at this point. That's right. Uh, we got Neil at 11. I need to start putting YouTube usernames to underdog username. Oh yeah. Well, that's easy. Feel gnarly. Mm-hmm. I can, I can remember that one. Um, so Spags, like normally how these drafts goes, if you're a zero RB bro at one seven, you're deciding between Diggs and Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Or you're hoping well, that one of Jefferson or Chase falls to you, which does happen from time to time when people take Derrick Henry at the four spot. Yeah. Derrick Henry ADP is, um, it's an interesting one. I'll sometimes see him go one, two. No, thank you. No, that, that seems like McCaffrey. You could talk me into that. I don't Henry. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't have that faith. Um, so Jefferson does go as I expected. I uh, dig. I have I have very little Adams. Do you okay, have I, I Adams? have a lot of Adams, but I could do more Adams. Um, I don't. I don't mind taking digs here. Who do you do you want? Diggs if if you Adams? haven't got enough Adams, let's take Adams. All right, let's do an Adams team. Because to me, the the Raiders Niners Week Seventeen stack falls on a lot. Somebody was actually asking too about our approach to Week Seventeen stacks. I'm trying to build around them from the jump. Like it informs a lot. Like if I were to take Eckler here, I'd probably be trying to get Allen Robinson. I'd probably be uh, probably trying to get um, something from the Rams on that side. Running back, probably less so. But like this, Pete. Like I'm informed a lot by what you've talked about the Week Seventeen stacks and trying to just you know spike that upside when you need it the most. Um, how are you handling that? And I guess, how do you handle the late round stacks like the Houston's of the world, the Jacksonville's perhaps? Yeah, I would say, well, yeah, I'm definitely team stack. Um, I actually just before we hopped on, finished recording uh, my video about looking at the EV and the ways to kind of optimize for week 17. So this is all fresh in my head. Um, but like to answer your question specifically, I don't go out of my way quite as much in the first three to four rounds. Like I'm not going to reach like a a round and a half in the top five rounds to like 
complete a stack. But then like, as the draft goes on, I'm like more and more willing to quote unquote reach for some of that correlation. Um, but if it lines up early, you know, like if you have a Cooper cup team and, and Mike Williams falls in a nice pocket, like, yeah, I'm breaking ties there. But as far as like really making a detour for it, probably not until like after round seven or eight for me. Yeah, I'm not making detours. It's more like, oh, who's the guy whose ADP is where I think it should be. I take that guy, then it informs what I do. Like I have a lot of Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, because of the way that works and the the bring back. And actually, here's one thing, Pete, which I know, you know, we assume a certain level of knowledge at this point with best ball, just because we've been kind of learning. I've in particular been learning from Pete and also the ship chasing guys, a lot of the other stuff out there. Uh, Rotoviz guys as well um, throughout this process. But asking Eric in the chat, uh, why is week 17 so important? What's the elevator pitch on that part? Yeah. Um, it's obviously much more detailed than this, but the elevator pitch is it is essentially a 470 person DFS tournament in week 17. You're competing against 469 other teams. If you make it there and how would you try to build your team for a DFS tournament? Probably with some stacks, right? So why not? Would we, why wouldn't we draft like that in the summer? Um, I've not gotten a lot of Evans. I, I really like him here. Any other thoughts? I'm okay taking Evans. I've been taking more of him this week, but uh, Debo falling there does happen a good amount, and that ends up kind of naturally informing my Raiders Niner stack. But um, yeah, Evans, I think, perfectly fine. And the issue is like, there's nobody to bring back on Carolina's side if you don't get DJ Moore. Like, who else do you even want from the Panthers besides McCaffrey or Moore? Yeah, it is. It is thinner on um, Carolina. I will say Robbie Anderson is extremely cheap, maybe even too mm-hmm. cheap. I know he's not the funnest uh, click. I also think you could take a stab on Terrace Marshall still. Um, just see if something gets turned around with their quarterback play. Um, you know, I think he wasn't good last year, but the whole offensive situation wasn't good. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's some stuff. I also like Deontay Foreman wrote him up in yep. the, in the fantasy life newsletter. So I don't mind doing that, but, uh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Foreman, I think is the one that I get a good amount just in the hopes that things end up with him as he, as a lead back by the time the season ends. And we didn't actually talk about your five favorite targets, which were in the fantasy life newsletter, Pete, but you did mention Foreman's one of them, uh, Brees Hall, another, uh, anybody in particular that you want to particular, you want to stump for more on this show. Cause I feel like you wrote up the points pretty well in the newsletter, but, um, I just want to give you the platform here because I was curious about at least one of these for sure. Well, which one uh, I'll talk about that one. So, I mean, I know you're your Rondi Moore love or Rondale. If you want to use the Pete bit, I think Rondi is a more affectionate name. Um, that's one. Daniel Jones surprised me because I don't think I've heard you say a single thing about him and it just threw me for a loop. Yeah, no, I mean, his ADP, I think is, I think it's pretty off. I think it's off by like three or four rounds almost. Um, and I don't think we're kind of factoring in how different this offense is going to look. It's obviously much healthier with, uh, with Barkley back. They add uh Juan Dale. They have Brian Dayball, which is the big change coming from Buffalo. And I just think this is going to be a much better offense. I think there's very little risk at this ADP and just so much upside knowing how much Daniel Jones can give us as both a rusher and a passer. Um, and I just love all of the p- stacking options you have with him. You know, Galladay's cheap. I think Tony is fairly priced for his risk reward. My guy, Darius Slayton is completely free. Ricky Seals Jones is completely free. Like no one's drafting Ricky Seals Jones. Um, so I both like Daniel Jones, just dot, dot, dot in a vacuum, but also he's just such a nice backdoor stack option too. Yeah, Kadarius Tony, I know, is one guy that our football outsiders projections had taking the biggest leap heading into year two. Uh, but we're on the clock here, and 
Let me um, let me let me push you into a modified anchor build with with Saquon here. Oh, I mean, I'm not a Saquon guy, but I'll take one because I don't think I have a single lineup with him unless we draft one on on this show. Which yeah, I don't think we did. We're, gonna, we we're gonna push you outside your comfort zone here, Spags. Um, also, Josh pointing out whoever's in the one spot is terrible. So interesting thing with what we were talking about with game stacks because of whoever's drafting in the one spot doing such a bad job. It's Mookie has a real clean Rams Chargers stack that you normally don't get in the three hole. So here's the whole thing that I, unless you're like doing something insane, I have a really hard time. And this goes back to the whole conversation about structural drafting. I, I am not going to say two is, uh, is doing awful here. It would be awful if he uses drafts another running back before like round 16. Like once you make this start, this is a hyper fragile build. That's fine. Like these three to start is completely fine. The question is, do they take the foot off the gas? Like the mistake is when you spend more capital beyond this. So the jury is still out for me uh, on basically all of these builds because I really do think you can do more or less whatever you want at the start. You just have to make logical decisions after that that support what you've already done. I just know that for my drafts, like I've wanted that full Chargers Ram stack and you can get the Cup Robinson Allen version of it. It's hard to get the Allen Williams Cup one. So that to me feels like if you're drafting in a way that allows that to be on the board, you're probably making a mistake. And uh, I, I just don't like this guy's not going to draft just three RBs. Like this guy's going to draft five to seven RBs. And I think it won't be a surprise at all. You might you might be surprised. You might be surprised. I'm, I'm willing to be wowed here. I just think this guy's. Pete, over under four and a half running backs. You want to take the bet that T-Wolf takes <laughs> under four and a half? Um, well, no, I don't I don't know that, but I'm not saying it's a lock. I would say it's probably like 50-50. Oh, I think it's a lock. I think he's going to get, he's going to be one of those guys that has like six running backs, four QBs, three receivers. <laughs> you got to use your context clues. Two LFTG has the little snapback headband. He's been on underdog for a while. Um, it does. I don't think it's a donk draft. All right. Uh, we'll see here. You could be right. And I could be, maybe take it yeah, advantage of the room. Here you go. Silas at the bizarro draft, not really paying attention and did the exact start as the guy at one. And, and Silas is a best ball thought leader. So but Silas making says, fun of the hyper fragile. He says <laughs> like, you got to post the follow-up in which he says, Ooh, um, <laughs> God damn. I wanted Kittle because, uh, we could get our little, uh, our little stack there. Um, what about though? I mean, Tampa plays Arizona week 15. We want to grab Marquise Brown. Yeah. Marquise Brown would be my pick here. Obviously I have more than enough DK Metcalf. Marquise Brown doesn't fall to me a lot. So I'm willing to go there. Yeah. Um, I love the Arizona schedule uh, down the stretch. Love the Tampa Bay schedule down the stretch. Also gives us um, ability to target Kyler, who I really like his price still in drafts. So, and you're going to get the bonus of, you know, similar to Rondale, you know, Marquise Brown, getting off to a fast start with just a bigger target share without DeAndre Hopkins there. I can't wait to see T Wolf draft another running back here. That's what I'm really hoping for. Like if he doesn't draft five, I'm going to be personally disappointed. I know you, <laughs> you made the case for why he won't, but I really believe it's going to, you should have made your bets about Billy Vaughn because that's, <laughs> that's, that's who's cranking it. It's, I like, what do you even do in these rooms? Like, obviously, you're hopefully playing into it by drafting receivers, you know, up top a little bit more. But, like, this is so many running backs off the board early, like, in a way that makes it hard to plan around if you are, you know, used to certain ADPs. Yeah. Tube Sox says Tampa plays Carolina week 17. Yeah, I said week 16. They they play Arizona. Um, the, and the EV isn't near as important um, for week 16, but I, I still, again, I'm going to go down 
the the ladder of prioritization and i think week 16 correlation um is still something uh if you can get it to uh to grab if you were to rank it week 14 week 16 week 17 i guess week 15 would probably be the last uh what would you rank the order of priority for you well it, it goes directly in opposite order the order is a magnitude um it's almost exponential. Week 17 is by far the most important, followed by week 16, followed by week 15, and then weeks one through 14 are are by far the least important as it pertains to EV of, of the prizes. Um, all right, we are on the board here. I don't know if we're going to get Kyler if we wait. Um, Let's do it, yeah. You want to grab Kyler? Yeah, why not? I... ATN would be the other choice, but we took Saquon early enough that I just don't want to take another running back yet. So I'd rather go Kyler. Yeah, I I like Kyler a lot. College we'll narrative, have... very strong. Let's see here. <laughs> also, yeah, Andrew, the I chat... don't... sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Andrew, the chat saying, Spag's hostility to hyper-fragile drafters with lower brow than a smut kink. I mean, I look, I'm, I'm ready with whenever mythology wants to pop in when he emerges from the masturbation cave with whatever Instagram handle we need to pull up. Uh, actually, Pete, something I didn't tell you. Mythology's been pitching me bits for my solo stream that he, he'd love to get in the mix. <laughs> I dare I ask what one of them is. He wanted like an IG roundup thing like he wanted to do. I think he wants to make appearances on the show. But mythology has been pitching me hard and I, I, I'd be a fool not to listen. Can you name your stream the Horn Dogs? <laughs> if I do a show with him, the thing is like, it's going to be a solo stream. Like I'm, I don't need a co-host. I'm just going to do what Pete does for best ball breakfast and probably end up much hornier, I guess, throughout the course of a, a 18 round draft. Yeah, I would love if that was your tagline, best ball breakfast, but much hornier. <laughs> best ball naked lunch, like <laughs> the classic film. Good God. Yeah. We definitely wouldn't have gotten Kyler. Uh, Hertz goes no. a couple picks after. There, both of us outside of our comfort zone right now, with not ending up with a, a top five round tight end, but we can definitely make do. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it might be a Hawkinson situation or a Schultz, I guess. Yeah, um, not sure what pick are we at 61. I think we can, I think we can wait here still a little bit. Um, Let's see what we got going on here. I mean, the other thing to consider is ATN is going to fall to us, which see also Josh Jacobs there. I guess we got to, if we wanted to. Yeah, I'm, I would be good grabbing Jacobs or ETN. It's, London, well, Atlanta yeah. plays Arizona week 17, which is interesting too. Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, how heavy on the Raiders do we want to go here? Because we're not going to get a Raider stack. Eh, let, let's go London, since we okay. are kind of, you know, obviously playing for a big Cardinals game week 17. I think yeah. it makes sense uh, to grab London here. I support that. I, I think I would have wanted to take ETN, but I didn't mind passing on Gibson and Jacobs there. Yeah, you can get that. You get anybody on Houston late in the draft, which I feel like if you want to just give yeah. them some correlation. Oh yeah, it was uh it was Paul in the chat who took uh who took ETN. That's a nice scoop there. That's like ATN should not fall that much. Like there are some drafts I've been in where he's going in round four, like comfortably. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, think about it this way. ETN was going, what, mid-fifth round, early sixth last year. Obviously, he got hurt, but I would argue that uh, he has fresh legs and it's a much better team situation than it would have been last year had he played anyways. So I don't really know why there should be a discount relative to where he went last year. Yeah, and kind of the stank of last year not being on him seems like a positive that he can come in and be like, yeah. I mean, he's made the quotes to the media about like, I, I didn't seem like I missed much <laughs> being in the mix last year with the Urban Meyer situation. Um, and I yeah. I agree. Like, Etienne's a really solid pick, and he should not go that late. He could really be a he could be a guy that does bubble up to like round two by the time you know things kind of matriculate. Yeah. Um, I wanted to this question from Tube Socks is another thing I was talk about in my video. What are your thoughts on grabbing some super off the board ADP player in the last two picks? No big deal. I think this is a super, super good strategy. Um, the way best ball works, right? 216 picks in every draft, and guys with the top 200 ADP are mostly drafted in every draft. Like the top 200 guys will have close to 100% ownership. And so the only ways to actually have unique guys um, in both weeks one through 14 through through the playoffs is by going further down the um, off the ADP. And when you think about, you're not actually sacrificing that much, right? From like round 16 on, these guys are all pretty low probability bets. And if all things are being equal, like if you play DFS, right? And there's two 3K pump wide receivers, it's like in one's 40% owned and one's 5% they both have a low probability of hitting. So you want the 5% one anyway. So I think the same thing applies there. Take, take the guy that's not being drafted as much. Um, what do oh, you see Dalton here? Schultz. You want to grab Schultz? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, 79. Yeah. Right at ADP. But, uh, I like that a lot. Yeah. And we needed that. Like, otherwise we were going to be really fishing at tight end. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, he's probably what Schultz and Hawkinson for me, then like after that, you're probably in a two tight end build. I guess if you were to like double tap Goddard and mm -hmm. Knox or something, or I'd probably push it even to like Fryermuth. But like after that, you're probably in a three tight end build. You know who's kind of growing on me? This is completely unrelated, but Fryermuth started it um, because I've had to watch a lot of Jordan Addison highlights because he's going, he's transferring to USC. He's a Blitnikoff winner. It's like a really big deal for for my college alma mater, as you can see on this blanket. Kenny Pickett in the at in Addison highlights is kind of good. Like he like is throwing it where it needs to be. Nice deep ball, good timing on his throws. Like if that could that Steeler stack could end up being really valuable in a way that I don't think the ADP is reflecting right now. This is why I don't watch tape. Can't <laughs> let my can't be getting biased by my uh <laughs> my 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 film watching guys. I mean, I think it's honestly Addison doing more of the work in some of the you know some of the clips than Kenny Pickett is. Like I think yeah, you know, Pickett's getting bailed out by some of Addison's play, getting under the ball and all that. But like. If Claypool can do that, if Deontay Johnson is one of the best route runners in the league and has been for years, according to like Matt Harmon and reception perception data, like there's a lot of stuff out there that I think the Steelers could be good. Pickens also really like Pickett could kind of luck his way into in a situation that's going to make him look better than he probably is. Yeah, no, I, I like Pickett. Um, and like Pickett is the perfect guy to double stack too when you find yourself on, you know, two of Deontay Johnson, Claypool, Pickens, and Fryermuth, um, or even Najee. Um, He's such a, a nice backstop to know he's going to be there. Andrew says, if you take a top five tight end, are you comfy with any backup tight end in a two tight end build? Yeah, I'll show you how comfy I am. Uh, I took George Kittle last night in the fifth round. I took Ricky Seals Jones in the 18th round and they have the same buy week nine. Um, and that's how comfy 
uh, I am doing kind of two tight end builds with those guys. And obviously I'm pushing it a little bit to the extreme, but in general, like more than fine to rock two tight end builds when you get a top five guy. Yeah. I'm usually doing two tight end builds, but I'm taking somebody, you know, 10 to 15th round. That's not a full dart throw, but you know, I take a lot of no fans you saw on the screen. So who knows how much, how much I know. Should, do we want to draft uh CPAT uh, for and really go in on a Cardinals Falcons shootout in week 17 in the dome? I don't think anything else on the board makes sense. So we might as well. Yeah. I'm looking. Yeah. I, uh, you know, there's no other quarterbacks we're taking here. There's no other tight ends we're taking here. Running backs really flat wide receiver, nothing jumping out. So I don't mind it. Yeah, it's Mookie saying, and it's Mookie again, I think doing a great job in this draft. So he's carrying his opinions, carry even more water today than it would normally. Gerald Everett ends up as tight end two in like half my drafts. Um, I, like Gerald Everett, I, you, he was another guy on Pete's fantasy life newsletter, big board of his five guys that he thinks are deserve being drafted. I think there's still some fear that Jared Cook could come back somehow. Like he isn't even listed as a free agent on some of these sites. It's still listed as a, a Chargers player, but he's a free agent. Like they, if they roll with Everett, like he should be in a pretty good spot, especially Parham coming off whatever that injury was for him. Yeah. I mean, I think he's like the arbitrage version of Dalton Schultz, where obviously mm -hmm. we've seen more from Dalton Schultz. Um, so you have to take a little bit more of a leap, but just the thesis being like the starting tight end in a really good offense and yeah where you're getting him is ridiculously cheap i i, I truly think everett's adp is going to jump up you know three four rounds over the course of the summer and i think he'll be more going in that akui boonham range um at what is he like pick 130 i think he'll end up settling there by the end of the summer it, once the, the jared cook stuff straightens out is he one of the biggest potential risers you see overall? Like, or is it still just kind of mystery rookie running back a who's going to get that who's going to be like first team. And we don't know yet. Sorry for what was that? I mean, in terms of like part. rising above where his ADP is right now, if you were to do a draft who I'm um, Gerald Everett. Sorry. I mean, I completely missed like what Gerald Everett what basically not being drafted in some drafts. Yeah. Like, do you think he's the one that moves up the most relative to his current ADP oh. by the time like August comes around? I mean, probably not. I mean, the whoever will move up the most will probably be like a rookie running back type thing. Like imagine mm -hmm. if the 49ers come out and they're like, you know what? Tyrion Davis price looks like our best running back in camp. Like he'll immediately jump like eight rounds or, or something absurd. So I think the running backs just naturally because of injuries and how more binary it is that they can jump uh, the fastest. <laughs> Beachhead saying, I'm going one QB, one tight end in the puppy this year. I know that's Pete. He's always tweeting about community or posting in the comments about community. Is that the kind of community you want to cultivate? Uh, I'll allow it, especially if the puppy is as big as DraftKings. Um, all right. We are back on the clock Feels here. Feels like Gage, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously we don't have him, but I don't mind uh, doubling up on Tampa here. Yeah. I would have liked to have gotten Tom Brady, obviously, with that, but like I... I don't know. Gage feels like he shouldn't be going past ADP. Like he usually gets scooped earlier. I feel like than ADP in most rooms I've been in. Yeah. Um, where did, where did Brady go? Okay. Yeah. He's, he was going in the seven. He went ahead of Burrow. He, no. Oh, behind Burrow. Burrow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Burrow went late. I know people in the chat were talking about Burrow going seventh round. Burrow goes like Burrow's got a lot of variability. He's either going really early or really late, and it feels like never where his ADP actually is. I know I keep talking about the one draft I did last night, but I had I started with Chase and Higgins uh, in that mm -hmm. draft, and then drafted uh, Chubb in the third. But I 
the guy took a guy took unstacked burrow like three picks before me um and it i don't even get tilted that much but it more just goes to show that people like burrow even if they don't have the pass catchers and burrow isn't even that fun to backdoor stack i mean you can get um obviously boyd but there, there's not a lot of sexiness uh past that too but yeah people have no problem pulling the trigger on burrow the chat was touting Hayden Hurst before, and I feel like people like Hayden Hurst is one guy I've I've seen his ADP moved up just yeah. like eyeball testing throughout the last few weeks. I think people really think that he's going to bubble up, but um, like the the Burrow Hayden Hurst Boyd like stack is not the most appealing configuration for for Cincinnati. No, um, let's see here. I'm trying to think, you know, structurally we're we're in like max optionality zone as far as you know what we've done so far we need to take some niners at some point i think yeah the problem is <laughs> there's not a lot of good options with the niners really take danny gray late you could take davis price at some point the, the niners are so polarized with their adps because it's like mm-hmm. you have debo and kittle up top i guess you have lance in the middle or i, I guess you have lance and eli mitchell in the middle Ayuk feels like he's going a little bit earlier just because of the tide rising. Yeah, actually, I'm, I take back my statement. Their their ADPs aren't that polarized. They're, <laughs> they're at various points throughout the draft. I guess my point is there's not um, super fun late round guy pass catchers to take with them. I think it's literally Danny Gray or bust. Like, there's a lot of draft guys who are like Danny Gray is like the one who could really like. I, I'm honestly just taking that as a leap of faith. Like, I don't know enough about him to feel super confident besides watching a few highlight reels, but. Like as a, a late round Niners guy, like I would take Danny Gray over Juwan Jennings probably. I'm down for a Bills running back here. I have no issue taking either. Like whichever one's available, I feel like you're getting part of that that Week 17 group with uh, the Buff uh, the Buffalo Cincinnati game. Like I, I don't mind it. Singletary, I think probably deserves to be picked before Cook. Yeah, yeah, I like both. Um, might as well take uh, Singletary here. Stafford falling precipitously, like he's fallen like there was like a bad rumor about him in this room that came through. Like that's that's a steep drop for Stafford overall. Can we check in on uh, the guy you told me would be just cranking running backs here? Uh, has not drafted a running back since his Leonard Fournette pick. We will see here just, at this turn. I've, I've been burned so many times, and I I apologize if T Wolf does continue on this hyper fragile bill that you were extolling, Pete. I just I've been in rooms where guys have taken three running back, three QBs in the first six rounds. And it has been upsetting to be a part of. I no, I see. I, I like those weird ones. So now, so he backdoors or he goes Watson, then grabs Rogers, Tunyon and Parker yet. So he's actually really good. So he, he looked to me like not good. And in fact, he's the, the genius who's going to win this, this particular. Actually, he, he was, he wanted to rip six straight running backs. And then he <laughs> caught wind of the kind of shade you were tossing. And so he was too scared. Here's another question for you, Pete. And obviously we have some underdog people in the chat, so maybe they'll, they'll take heed. Would you think a chat like in these rooms would be a good thing or a negative thing or in between? No, they would be bad. I mean, we we've seen how anyone who played poker uh, online poker ever knows just how awful those chat rooms could get. I will say I do. I don't know if I'm being naive, but I do really feel like underdog drafters in the underdog community is such like a good group of people, at least all the ones I routinely uh, interact with. But uh, I I think it would ultimately be a poor user experience for people. And there's just so many other harassment, bullying kind of things you don't want to open yourself up to. 
People are, yeah, Bullock saying chat would be awful, but I'd love it. Paul saying it'd be so toxic. Uh, Ross saying UD chat would be insane. I think, I do think there's a lot of good eggs. Like we've talked about best ball and I know you guys talked about it on lulls too. Like best ball to me is the kindest online, you know, wagering group of people overall, maybe NFT people. But uh, if that goes south, as Pete could attest, uh, probably less so. But I think like, I think the chat would be good, but then you would have like one or two guys who were just like straight trolls and they would ruin the experience for everybody. Yeah. And like, I mean, hang on, we're, we're back on the clock here. Oof. Um, <laughs> so I, I would take Chase Edmonds, I think, but I don't mind Melvin Gordon season. We haven't gotten a lot of him. I was just seeing if we don't Miami, Minnesota. Uh, I'm just going to put Chase in for a quick sec. I'm just making sure there's nothing else we're missing here. Yeah, we don't have KC at all. So Melvin Gordon probably doesn't make a, a ton of sense. Yeah, we don't. There's nothing like in our stacks um, that is helpful to us here. So, so with this build, with Saquon, Patterson, Singletary, Chase, I mean, I think we're definitely only one more running back um, with this. It's going to be a five build. And then we, depending on what we do at tight end and quarterback, I mean, these definitely could still be two QB, two tight end builds. Um, so that would, if we were at a two, five, two, nine, that would still leave us, that would allow us to get to eight wide receivers, which is probably, um, we could probably justify seven. We have a little wiggle, wiggle room, depending on what we do as far as seven versus eight wide receivers or two versus three tight ends, I think. Okay. Um, also I'm getting tagged. Apparently my pick is up in our ship chasing dynasty league, Pete. And I, um, should I make it on the show? Should we do that? I mean, yeah, well, it's just not too exciting anymore because we're in round like 28 and you're grabbing. <laughs> it's going to be me trapping somebody who's terrible. Yeah. Uh, we can do it after this pick if yeah, if you want to get in the background, if you wanted to pull it up so we can do it. Uh, I'm not I'm not going off of this screen to watch you select a total. <laughs> you don't want to see me select Taysom Hill at tight end? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we're up next. I was inverted, of course. Paul in the chat giving us some helpful feedback. People also saying, by the way, that the drafters apparently chat is pretty bad, but drafters doesn't have the ubiquity of, of underdogs. So it would be a different experience, I think. Um, um I I like I, I don't end up with a ton of Justin Fields. I mean, he'd be a super fun quarterback to pair with. Um, we didn't get any Detroit. What? We didn't get any Detroit for Week Seventeen. No, I know, but dude, there's back. Oh, we can take options. fields. I'll take fields. I, I just th- would have I thought you somebody you good mean, with him. You, you know, first for when our stacking prioritization stags is spags is first getting Chicago players before we worry about the breakbacks, <laughs> right? Well, no, but I'm saying like we didn't get so we didn't get any lions, we didn't get any bears. I just wouldn't take fields there because you're kind of hoping he pops somebody up. I know we could take Pringle or or Vilas Jones or whatever. I would I would argue the Lions are actually one of the one of the easier teams to kind of backdoor stack um as as DJ Chark flies off the board. Yeah. Um but I again these are kind of the examples too where I'm I'm still making like structural considerations like before I'm like you know worrying about stack stuff. See, and, I would take Mariota late over taking Fields there personally because we have London. Like, I would, I don't, I would take one of the lesser stacks that we have already the bones of. Yeah, um, yeah. First of all, as Nick points out too, you know the running quarterbacks, um, 
you're, you don't have to go double stack them. And I also think the perfect stack candidate for him and our structure lines up for us here in the 13th round. Oh, are you, okay. Are you thinking, uh, perhaps it's tight end with eight letters in his name. Wow. You're so quick at <laughs> adding up letters. <laughs> it's uh, all the wordle Pete that I've still been, been trucking along with the wordle, despite it being, again, as we predicted months ago, much less culturally relevant than it was before. Josh, there's a, there's a massive difference. The same thing happens in DFS, right? You can run naked Lamar Jackson. You could run naked Jalen hurts. I think a lot of times you could justify that was actually the optimal thing because of pricing, but for the stand, um, for the pocket quarterbacks like Jared Goff, like a Matt Ryan, like a Joe Burrow that aren't rushing, they aren't going to give you a top one percentile outcome without throwing multiple touchdown passes. Therefore you want to be, um, at least single stacking and, and most likely double stacking with that. So the quarterback profile greatly, greatly impacts how you think about stacking them. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Also, I'm looking at the draft board in this dynasty league and boy, it is, you are not wrong. I'm like, is Jared Patterson worth it? Could he land somewhere in the next three years? <laughs> I, I I liked Jared Patterson. I, I was I drafting him a decent amount. But it's like him or Keyshawn Vaughn or Gaskin. Like Gaskin, like I don't know. Gaskin should go. He should be on another team at this point, right? He should go somewhere that needs a running back desperately. All right. So I think we should grab Cole Komet. Um, okay. We get this skinny stack that also allows us to go uh, two QB, two tight end. Um, I feel pretty good about that. People asking for Weddle uh, for Weddle content, the Wordle spinoff. Pete, have you? I mean, you didn't dabble in that one at all, right? No. Did you catch my my shot at Wordle in my video too? I did. I did catch that. Yeah. I mean, but it's it's honestly like Wordle was was a shining star that was gone as fast as I thought it would be. The Weddle ones and like these sub ones are I feel like are having more of a lifespan because I always see people tweeting those every morning and I just don't have the like the Wordle had its shot and everything else. I don't need a spinoff version to do every day. Look at this, Dylan Leonard, best ball grinder, loves our team so far. <laughs> for the audio listeners, it's. Kyler Murray and Justin Fields at QB, Saquon, CPAT, Singletary, Chase Edmonds at running back, Adams, Mike Evans, Marquise Brown, Drake London, Russell Gage at wide receiver, Schultz and Komet at tight end. I like it. Are you thinking this is a two QB build? We're not doing, we're not doing three. I think this is for sure a two QB build. Sorry, okay. Spags. <laughs> I just like, you know, I have my Mariota exposure and I want to keep representing. Maybe get a Desmond Ritter in, in round 18. I think... I mean, you could you could make an argument that we'll still have a luxury pick, but it would basically be if you're comfortable with only seven wide receivers in this build versus eight. Okay, that makes sense. I don't think I don't think it would be atrocious to to spend the luxury pick elsewhere. Also, we got a hundred people in the chat right now watching live. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed to the Peach channel. Subscribe to the Splash Play channel as well because we're going to be doing some extra best ball streams, possibly on Friday afternoons in the summer uh, with me just doing it solo while Pete goes and gallivants around, really travels the world, gets his tan up, then shows up on Monday well-rested while I've been here grinding best ball drafts all weekend. That's just, just kind of what we're doing. Wow. I mean, no, you're going to be you're going to be having a great time, you and Mathology with your horned up stream. <laughs> Checking out porn stars, drafting <laughs> best ball teams. I'm gonna have to relearn OBS so I could put one screen with a draft and one screen with just big titties on the the other side. And honestly, might might get views just because of how people how horny everybody is on the internet. 
I can't wait until you ruin um, Splash Play's relationship <laughs> with Underdog because they need to distance themselves from you. I'm gonna, then I'll start doing DK best. <laughs> ah, I was hoping Alex Alec Pierce would fall to us so we could get a little Indianapolis uh, Giants week 17 there, but that did not shake out. Um, we could we could do Khalil Herbert um, and grab another Bears if we wanted to get uh, a fifth running back with the Bears. Anything else jumping out to you? We could get a second Dallas guy with Tolbert. Yeah, it's Holbert would be mine, I think. And I don't mind Palmer just because he hasn't fallen to me at all after being so heavy on him. But I think Tolbert, another receiver we need anyway. And he's got big upside. Yeah, I'll grab Tolbert. And I kind of like this now too. And, and again, this is like the other thing with stacking, right? I mean, we we have a, a Tampa Bay stack without Brady. We have a Dallas stack without um, Dak. But we're still making bets on, on these teams. And... uh we got we got some nice stuff set up here. Bullock saying Johnny Sims going hyper fragile from the fourth spot here. I, I assume that he's making a porn guy joking about Johnny Sims. But if Johnny Sims wanted to have a Chris Randone style DFS career, then he would be Johnny Sims, I guess. I don't even know who Johnny Sims is. This is how pure of heart I am. <laughs> oh, Pete, you are so washed up with your porn. <laughs> your internet porn <laughs> washed up? <laughs> washed up infers that I had a heyday of porn. <laughs> Yeah, it's all behind you now. Big, big porn Pete is now long in the past. Big porn Pete. Yeah. <laughs> I need to try that alliteration for size on with my Twitter name. Honestly, right now, Farmer character. What? Big porn big, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had to have Lauren film me at a farm for this last video. I don't know if she's down to film <laughs> me for the big porn Pete bit. I was wondering when I saw that, if, if it was Lauren filming or if you hired like a cinematographer to do that, maybe not a cinematographer, but like... hire a cinematographer. <laughs> my wife left me and I had to hire a cinematographer <laughs> for my bit. No, it was, it was pretty embarrassing because, you know, we've been looking for houses and we were out <laughs> driving, going to an open house. And, and I'm like, Lauren, can we pull over to this farm right here and shoot something real quick? Did she know in advance? Like, did you just have the costume? Yeah, no, I, I, I had, I had had the stuff in the back of my car, knowing like whenever I, because I didn't have a good farm in my head like that where I knew I could do it. So I was like, I just need to have the stuff with me. So when I see the right farm, it boy was I driving, I was just like, <laughs> I saw a tractor, I saw a green. I was ready. so promo code Pete on FarmersOnly.com. <laughs> yes. <sighs> Um, wow. That's, let's make the pick, I guess. Who, uh, hang on. We need to figure out what we're doing. We here. didn't take ATN. We could take Robinson now if we want to really. Yeah. But I, I do think, I do think if we, we should grab Herbert with, um, with fields. Okay. Interesting. I yeah, look, I'm not going to be mad at it. If you want, if you want Robinson this far off ADP, I don't mind either. It's just, he's, yeah, he's still far behind. Like, right. I don't know. Let's do Robinson and be done um, at running back. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Dylan, been watching Pete Overzet for long enough. I'm a Discord member, so I should know how do I get VIP Pete. Yeah, so that's through the uh, the YouTube membership down below. You can become a YouTube member, get those badge, and then access to um, a couple private channels in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. I should have made a mental note at the time frame for that farmer conversation because I think that's going to be the clip. I got to pull up some photos. You made it really easy to find photos of you in the farmer outfit. 
first of all, Paul says, is Spags going to split the winnings with Pete given Spags is doing all these on his accounts? Uh, here's the deal. Um, I pay up. I, I will pay you. I paid Spags at the end of last week. Mm -hmm. I'll pay him at the end of this week. Um, this is all above board. I go in and name the drafts to make sure Spags can't run off to Mexico with them. Uh, it's all above board. Yeah, Pete, Pete and I are in, are in this together. If it, if it, like, yeah, at this point, I can't run away. I made the joke about running away to Mexico. If we're doing it on a show, I'm not going to do that. But honestly, even if I like, even if I won Best Ball Mania, I'd be like, Pete, like, how do we, how do we make this money? Like, Spags is so money. torn because he's like, he's like, man, if I win on my own, that's one, two million buckaroos. But if I win with Pete, it's one million each and all the content equity. You can, can you imagine the parade? Tour we would go on Spags mm -hmm. as the co best fall media. No, trust me, I think there's a lot more legs in us being a duo that won a million dollars on a stream that you made fun of me the entire time. Like I'm well aware. Um, do we want to double stack Kyler with AJ Green? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right. You take Antoine Wesley too. He's not even getting drafted. I know. I actually probably should start mixing in some Wesley instead of Green. He but should man. be at least like an 18th round pick, right? Like he played a lot with no DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's just so gross. I I, and I, I have such a vendetta against Wesley just because I was like, how are we not using Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore? And instead we're using Wesley. So whenever I hear his name, I just recoil. Do you remember when they were playing Keyshawn Johnson like 65 snaps a game and not throwing to him once an entire game? Like that's just kind of the Cardinals vibe. Yeah, Cliff. Cliff's a donk. Um, this would, you guys should make a best ball stepbrother short fill if you win. That would be incredible. I mean, I think uh, if I, I've always said if I ever won like seven figures doing anything, I would just I would just have like a really confusing content career. Like, just be like, let's <laughs> wait, do some weird how shit. is that any different than what we're doing right now, Chris? <laughs> we haven't done character work in a while on this show, Pete. And if you think we got to we got to get that back in the mix at some point in the summer. <laughs> oh man. I would say both of us have pretty confusing content careers, Chris. <laughs> it's true. It's funny though, like that, you know, we're, we're doing well with these best ball videos. And it's like, this is like doing best ball streams. I know you're, I don't want to pull the curtain back too much feet. The easiest thing you could do is like a best ball stream. <laughs> like, right. I know Brick has talked about it a little, but like, it's crazy. No, no. I mean, streaming. Yes. But I'm, I'm saying like the content you could make. Oh yeah. kind no, of tour. I, I mean, we would, we would book a 50 state tour. You know, to go around, spread, spread just the waste all the money booking venues that nobody goes to. We're doing, we're doing like, uh, like theater shows for an audience of like two and a half people per city. But everybody watching the zooms, we bring mythology on the road for us to just have a massive slideshow of Instagram models behind us. With Ymir Smith Marset, I feel like now T Wolf is just trolling me. Is he watching the stream? Is he quietly watching the stream? Uh, also an update as AJ points out, has the guy in the fourth spot drafted more tight ends than wide receivers. Um, yeah. So our, this was kind of a sliding doors for hyper fragile Billy, uh, leaned into it. How many tight ends is he up to three? No, just three. That's fine. Uh, but our guy two wolf here, uh, still has yet to take another running back. So he told spags to shove it after his <laughs> criticism. I almost feel like that was so spitefully constructed that he must have had the show. Like, I just find it hard to believe that that wasn't the case, but you did, you did point out the the things, the logo and his little avatar. And I'm like, I, I get it. I get it. He might be. So I would say, um, for these last two picks, I think we can go uh, a little off of ADP. 
So the, the first option I would say would be if we want to double stack fields, we could grab Pringle. The other kind of stacks would be, do we want to do a San Francisco guy? Do we want to do a Carolina guy? Or do we want to do a Colts guy? Um, I, I would suffer some... Niner just because with the Adams bet, like I feel like it's big enough. Do you want to do Pringle here? Yeah, we can do Pringle. Pringle or Velas, I would take at this point. V you know, Velas's locker is next to Justin Fields. So that's going to... Do you want to do... We could do... V is Velas... Who who's who has more upside, Velas or Byron Pringle? Honest question. Pringle showed enough on a per snap basis last year that it's probably Pringle, but but Velas is like you know Velas is rookie capital, and they're they're they they want him to be okay because otherwise they look like idiots. Yeah, I don't I don't have a strong take either way. I, I did grab Pringle for us. Um, Pringle's got the better floor. Velas maybe has a ceiling, but it feels like he's like a three target a game guy and you're hoping he somehow pops once or twice. Yeah. So do we want to do, what is it? This Dan, so Talk to me about Danny Gray because I've seen some best ball bros taking him. I still know nothing about him. What's, what's the point on, what's the selling point on Danny Gray? He's got pretty good size. Also pretty good at working in the seams. Um, definitely fits kind of that. The guy you can pick up a good amount of targets in an offense that is just the better players are being covered. Um, I think those are sort of the main, which don't sound like great selling points, Pete, but I feel like I believe enough in the Niners and how they use draft capital. Like that's the logic you have with Davis price. Like that's the logic you would have with Danny Gray is like, they took this guy, like clearly they value him on some level and maybe he gets used in a way that's above his ADP. Yeah. He ran. Yeah. A four, I mean, four, it, it, we, we saw last year, I mean, Brandon, Ayuk got in the doghouse with Shanahan so quickly. Like he, he was like not even going to suit up there uh, for a stretch. So I, I do want to take stabs on, you know, the wide receiver three uh, in this offense. Yeah, people are pointing out yep. too. He's got a four, four, 40, six feet, like six feet tall, four, four, 40. Those aren't bad metrics. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Boober Sharp just had to do it. I, I knew that checkoffs uh gray in the queue he was gonna go the other guy i like uh paris campbell some bullish quotes on him mm -hmm. recently after i said there's no reports on him he's 100 healthy ready to go we do have the giants at home versus the colts um yeah i could live with that think? i mean yeah because we, we have a giant i would i would probably take dubs over him normally but i feel like because we have a giant yeah yeah, and we, we miss out on the San Francisco, but there's just there's not really anything else to no, do. If Danny I mean, Gray, I, guess John, Juwan, like, I don't know. What are we gonna, I don't want to take Jawan Jennings. Like I think Jawan yeah. Jennings was okay, but I just don't see how that lasts for another year or improves. So we do end up with the two five nine two build here. I like this team a lot. Kyler and Fields, uh, Saquon, CPAT, Singletary, Edmonds, James Robinson. Really nice crew of five running backs there. We get the double stack with Kyler to Marquise Brown and AJ Green. Um, other wide receivers, Devonte Adams, Mike Evans, Drake, London, Gage, Tolbert, Pringle, Campbell, tight ends, Schultz and Komet. Also obviously getting that Chicago double stack as well. I think this was a good team. Apparently we sniped YSYL fantasy. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know which handle he would be, but I'm glad we finally get somebody inadvertently. Um, I think he's, uh, double D TDs. So oh. <laughs> I wonder if maybe he, he had, might want uh, to watch me in mathology show when we, when Oh we yeah. Went. He will be lining up. <laughs> what did he have? Did he have a must had Matt Ryan, right? Yeah. Did he have Matt Ryan? Where's his team? Why can't I find it now? Oh, here we go. Tua and Mariota. No, maybe just, maybe uh, just a 
classic Paris Campbell fan. There's thousands <laughs> of them out there. <laughs> That's true. Par Paris Campbell, Paris Hilton, too. Paris is doing great things out there in the world. Uh, Mathology. Did someone say Paris Hilton? We're <laughs> <laughs> sim like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> yeah. Now we will uh, cut to Paris Hilton's sex tape here <laughs> on Horn Dogs with Chris Bags and Mathology. Do you want to sauce any of these teams? No, you're good. <laughs> you're done. I think I'm ready to start my weekend. Well, good news is that Splash Play will be back on Monday at 2.30, so we'll do this again and probably, I feel like the Monday shows, instead of stay on the rails a lot more than the Friday slash Thursday. Well, yeah, you're drinking a beer over there talking I about am. porn stars. I mean, we get it. It's Friday. It is. It is Friday here. It's, all, it's always Friday somewhere. That's what we say on this show. We appreciate you guys watching. Follow up, Peter. <laughs> No, no, she, I think she was an enthusiastic participant. Stop. I should have pulled that up. <laughs> follow at Peter Overset. Follow at Chris Spags. Follow at Splash Play Pod. If you're watching this video live or after the fact, hit the like button. Subscribe to the Peach channel. Subscribe to the Splash Play channel as well because that's where my streams will be. The exclusive home of my best ball streams will be on the Splash Play handle. So uh, some reason perhaps to subscribe. I don't know. Check it out. Uh, Pete, any plugs for you besides you appearing at a local farm, I suppose. <laughs> no, just don't get us canceled over on the Splash Play channel. No, I'm going to get thousand subs so we can monetize and make ones and ones of dollars on that. On that. We can both share in the profits. Of. Yeah. Ones and ones of dollars on YouTube monetization, tens of tens of dollars in dynasty leagues. I mean, we are the kings of ROI. We're crushing it. We appreciate you guys watching. Come back Monday at 2.30. And next week, we go to Thursday at 2.30 to honor Memorial Day weekend and the schedule accordingly. So come hang out with us on Thursdays and Mondays moving forward. We appreciate you guys for watching. Enjoy your weekends. Good luck. Thank <music> you.